Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Loveline is meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Loveline with Dr. Chris starts. Three, two, one. Now. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all staying well and staying safe. This is a very, very, very difficult time. Lots to talk about. Of course, we have to talk about all that's going on right now in terms of race, revolution, uh, rioting, etc., etc. We're going to break it all on down, and that's going to be in our next segment. We're going to talk about why racism is a mental health issue and also ways that we as white allies can help caretake and hold space for our friends of color and our black friends. Um, let's just open up though with some news, what's going on. Interesting times, uh, but I like when I can find some really happy, joyous news. A trans model shares a heartwarming photo of her kissing her husband's baby bump. Love this. We're now at a place where all gender expressions can give birth to a child, and this transgendered man is going to be giving birth to a baby for him and his couple. Uh, Dana Sultana is a popular Colombian Instagram model and an influencer that was born male and identifies as female. And uh, she recently shared the news that she's expecting a baby boy with her husband, Esteban. Uh, Cute photos of the two of them, really beautiful couple. Anyway, I I love seeing diverse creative expressions of love and family and relationship because it really normalizes difference. And we, you know, again, when we're, whether we're talking about race or sexual orientation or gender expression or body shape or size or class, it's all about us as Americans learning how, well, everyone, but you know, here in the U.S., we have to learn how to encounter encounter difference and stop othering. Uh, see that others are different. We're not all the same. We are all very different, and that's okay. And there's a beauty in that, and and there's an allowability in that, and we need to celebrate that. And so, I love stories like this. It's a very non traditional family style. Right now, it will grow in normality. I'm here for that. Um, and so, we need to get familiar with these things, talk about these things. So, share stories like this with your children. Yes, men can have babies. Men can have a uterus. Uh, talking to people about their preferred pronouns. This is just part of being a healthy, compassionate human in the world we live in. So I'm all about it. Uh, This is a fascinating story. (laughs) A man hired for sexual fantasy break into house gone wrong. So essentially this man hired two individuals with fake machetes to break into his home. And uh, he wanted to be tied up in his underwear and stroked with a broom. Yes, very specific. Not not everyone's standard fantasy, but props to this guy. So he hired two people to act it out. Love it. We all should have our sexual bucket list. All the things on it we've never done and we want to try. If you're single, as soon as we can get out of this COVID stuff, start working on it. What a gift you give yourself. Also, if you're in a relationship, sit down with your partner. 
If you're in a safe, sex-positive relationship, you can share with them as an act of intimacy and also to really get to know each other different fantasies you have sexually and uh, find ways to kind of come together and start acting them out. So anyway, this guy was doing his thing, God bless, but he, this part's strange to me, but God bless it. He changed addresses, but never, never updated the two men. Isn't that like having someone come on, coming over to hook up or have sex with you like 101, that if you change address, you tell them? Because where else the hell are they going? So anyway, they rolled in, someone else is there, uh, and understandably really upset and freaked out the guy that, that was there sleeping. <laughs> My God. Anyway, went to court. The judge is like, this is a strange thing. He's throwing it out, though. I mean, uh, odd times we live in. But, um, you know, it's kind of where we are right now. So um, also, uh, I, I don't watch Drag Race, uh, but Patricia Quinn, she's from Brockyard Picture Show. She was performed by one of the drag performers during a segment they call the Snatch Game. And apparently he was very offensive. So she basically put out a comment saying not only was that offensive, not only is she not on drugs, which I think was like the basis of the whole character this person was playing when pretending to be her. But she said, um, there's so many other things that are going on with this show that she calls Tate. They also made fun of Catherine Hepburn's neurological disorder. Um, I agree with that stuff. You know, there's so many ways to play someone, but to mock their disability just isn't the way to necessarily do it. Not an act of love. So she says that she hopes she's not associated with the show ever again. I get it. You know, um, humor shouldn't be done in terms of trying to make people feel bad or harm them or mock them. And so if you're focusing on someone's neurological disorder or a possible drug addiction, not so funny. And that's why I, I have some of the top uh, cele- celebrity comedians as friends. And I've talked to them about this. And I said to them, like, is your definition of comedy, does it include making fun of people mocking them? And they all said no, that that's a sign of someone not actually being funny or a good comedian if they have to put down others in order to get a laugh. And that good comedians can talk about the world and culture and themselves and really generate laughs without having to make someone walk away feeling bad. I love that. Um, so hey, we got to get better about understanding that. Um, and also just finally, again, a reminder, cause I'm still seeing these posts about, um, emotional eating that it's okay to use food as a coping mechanism. I, I can't go a few scrolls without seeing at least one person referencing their body or what they're eating. Y'all go easy on yourselves. Go easy on the posting because everyone else is trying to go easy on themselves. And these kind of posts put us all into a spiral. So anyway, keep an eye on that one. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about racism. Uh, Minneapolis City Council member calls for racism to be declared a public health emergency. We've talked about something like this before. I'm fully on board. It's definitely a mental health and a public health issue. So anyway, coming up next, we'll be talking more about that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Hey, it's Dr. Chris, and this is Love Line. All right, we're back, and now it's time to have a very important, triggering, upsetting for some conversation about race. Um, we're going to be talking more about it. You know, as always, this show is really rooted in liberation and destigmatizing, talking about anything mental health or public health or wellness related, but also really looking at levels of oppression because if you are of any minority identity, your mental health is tied to these larger social oppressions that you were born into and deal with every day, whether directly or indirectly, whether overtly or covertly. We can't separate the two out. And so someone's blackness matters. When you're wanting to not talk about it, that's where racism comes in. Just like 
like if someone's gay, their gayness is going to matter. What's it like to move through the world being of color or black in a world that's white centric? What's it like moving through the world being gay in a heterocentric world where everything, songs, movies, commercials, everything's catered to them. Same thing with someone who's trans or larger bodied. All these different factors are part of mental health and to separate them out as if they don't matter is part of the problem. Um, so I love this. A city council official in Minneapolis is calling for racism to be declared a public health emergency. I agree with that. It's absolutely a public health crisis. It's absolutely part of mental health care. And it's important that we look into and call out these things. And so um, start bringing that up in your therapy. And this is where we also talk about the fact that some individuals need to see a therapist that very much mirrors of some of their identities. You know, larger body clients sometimes want to see a fat therapist, although smaller body therapists can be all about non-diet diet, you know, non-diet nutrition talk or non-disordered eating um, talk around bodies and consumption. Uh, there are some white therapists that are able to talk about race, some straight therapists that can hold space for gayness, et cetera, et cetera. But there's some people that don't want to have to worry about explaining the nuances. They don't want to have to deal with an ally. They want someone from their community. And so I understand that. And that's got to be kind of part of this conversation, this dialogue. Um, everything that we're seeing happening around us right now is that reminder of how deep the trauma is being black in our current culture, how deep the rage is understandably and how much work there is to still do. Um, and so I always say to those of us that are white, it's on our shoulders to really work to dismantle racism. Racism is built and sustained by white people and whiteness. And so it's on us to do everything we can to dismantle it. And so start at home, right? Start having those conversations at home. That's where a lot of these things begin. And the home is a, is a place where you can start to expose yourself and your family and loved ones to the diversity that is this planet and showing as a white family black characters and talking about that and characters of all different races and gender expressions and sexual orientations and letting your kids build familiarity and acceptance of it. You can even celebrate it by saying it's a, these are, there's so many beautiful ways to live in the world and there's nothing wrong with being different, right? But our culture is so rooted in assimilation and conformity but that is a cultural genocide. That is colonization. That is a, a mental or psychological abuse when, when the whole world is constructed in opposition to who you are. Or the whole world is constructed in a way that challenges who you are or oppresses who you are. How can one move through that world feeling safe or even of robust and resilient mental health? It's, it's an impossibility. And so we have to start first with educating ourselves, do the work, read the books. There's so many stunning books written on how to be um, not just racist, but also anti-racism, right? Because that's the work, how to work with it on a personal level, a meso level and a macro level. Um, and then starting to do the work out in the world, looking at the organizations you're a part of, looking at your social circle, looking at the way your family and friends talk about and hold things like race. Um, also getting involved in politics, using whatever privilege or position you have, donating money to organizations like Black Lives Matter, which are doing really important, powerful work. There's there's so many different outlets, um, and it's it's something that we all need to have a hand in on some level. So get get involved on on some on some level I, I say this and we said this in the earlier segment uh earlier show that everyone should actively be choosing at least one level of oppression that they're working on dismantling whether it's racism homophobia transphobia body shame classism um 
disability rights. There's so, and you could be working on all of them also, but we all need to be digging in on some level because we're all part of the problem. And a lot of people might not understand what's happening right now, but it, that's okay. A lot of us thankfully can't understand what centuries and decades and hour after hour of living in a racist culture, what kind of anger and helplessness and hopelessness that that creates. And this this expression of anger is so healthy and so powerful. Um, anger is often what propels us to try to create and force change. Uh, and so we need to just sit back and kind of hold space, sit back and allow people of color and black people to really take the microphone and to share their experiences and for us to kind of hold that space and sit silently and help where we can. So um, anyway, please, though, everyone stay safe, focus on rest. Rest is so healing and nourishing. Take downtime, uh, hold space for a lot of grieving and mourning white people. Uh, hold space for your black friends, check in on them, let them know you're there and that you love them, but listen to what they need, follow whatever boundaries they set, and also give them a break. This is a really tough time. They're going to be maybe distracted, more depressed. Um, people that are impacted by this might be showing up late for things. Hold space for that. Um, I, I, myself as a white individual, don't know what it's like to live in that kind of a world. And so um, collective mourning and grief, but we're here. All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And, uh, you know, I know these are tough times and everyone's wanting some uplifting, distracting material, trying to bring it in. Also trying to really be honest and honor where I'm at because, you know, my feelings and emotions matter too. And so around this show, I'm trying to bring information forward that feels good to me, that feels meaningful. Also trying to bring in some humor. Um, these are those stories that when I see them, I flag them because I want to bring them to you guys. A man with a flip-flop fetish is arrested after stealing 126 pairs to make love to. I mean, 126 pairs? How are you going to have sex with that many different flip-flops? Look, I'm all about the fetish. Have sex with whatever you want to have sex with, as long as if it's a person they're consenting and they're informed on what the sex is. But something like a shoe... Do your thing, man. Shoes don't have feelings. They don't have a nervous system. They have no consciousness. Have your way. 126, though? Damn, okay. But uh, the problem is only that they were stolen. <laughs> don't steal people's shoes. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine the, the fee to purchase 126 different pairs. But, like, don't steal people's shoes. I mean, that'd be so frustrating to me. But otherwise, ah, do your thing. Uh, but he had basically gone around the neighborhood and taken these. And he has sex with each of them after several hours of wearing them. Um... You know, this is happening uh, over in Thailand. Interesting stuff. You know, sexuality. It's, it's one of the most powerful drives we have. We will give up on sleep and safety and eating, all sorts of things in order to have it. That's how powerful it is. And whether or not it's healthy is the impact. Does it cause suffering to us or someone else? And if it's consenting adults, then you get to do whatever you want, where you want, how you want. Just want to be aware of how it's impacting you and others. That's all. Ethical sex, right? We always do the three-point check-in. How do you feel before, during, and after? And if at each point of those, you're like, yeah, I'm into this. This feels good to me. Do your thing. And that's the reason why we should have sex is because we want fun, because we want to uh, connect to ourselves or to someone else. It doesn't promise marriage. It doesn't promise relationship. It doesn't promise love. Don't have it seeking those things. It can only offer what it can give you in the moment, a moment with another person or people having some pleasure, some fun, and some connection 
And uh, what happens after that, we'll never know. But we just want to make sure that everyone's walking away feeling better or neutral because we just had this awesome experience together. And maybe it goes no further, but that doesn't mean what we did wasn't awesome or fun. Kind of like a date. Hey, I'm here for an hour. Let's make the best of it. I might not ever see you again, but let's be all in. We can have a great time. That doesn't promise anything. Um, so anyway, do your thing, flip up guy. I'm, 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 all, I'm all about that stuff. Um, also, look at an article. It's talking about how working home for forever could really negatively impact us. So basically, it's looking at the psychological toll of some offices closing forever. Look, for some people, the office is a source of stress. And what's really interesting is when you look at scheduling, most people will spend more time at the office with colleagues than they do with their loved ones or family members at home. Okay, we got to definitely change that because y'all love words like balance, all about balance, work, work-life balance. Really? Well, then, however many hours we're at work, we should be able to be at home and with loved ones. Okay, well, your employer's not going to be down with that. So clearly, we're not about work-life balance. But the workplace for many is a form of getting out. It's a form of socialization. For us right now, we're seeing how much we are dependent upon that as a benchmark in our day, as, as something to make us feel constructive. But again, that's where some people do most of their socializing. Otherwise, they're having dinner, maybe going to the gym, maybe reading something, maybe seeing some friends. But you know, as a therapist, my office was never highly social. I saw all of my patients back to back, and that felt like a form of engagement because that is true, honest relationality and intimacy. But going into the radio station, let's call that more of my proper quote unquote office. Yeah, I would see and encounter so many people and you catch up and you smile and you wave and you have such a spectrum of relationships. There's people that you just nod and smile at. Other people where you stop for a quick five minute chat. Others where you want to sit and have lunch with them. Uh, but it, it actually does give us some of those nourishing components of socialization to make eye contact, some touch, some time together. And so there's a, there's a loss. I, I definitely feel it. Like I, and that's why I'm focusing on, I've shared this before, but connecting with at least three people every single day. I don't care what the method is. Texting, phone calling. I mean, the ideal is FaceTiming. So you're really sitting with each other, seeing each other, some eye contact. But just reaching out at least three times a day. I also have two friends that I met up with out in the world. I realized I needed to see human beings. I had to look at what my mental health was and what me as an individual needed. We met up, we kept social distance. We were not in an enclosed space. We weren't around crowds, wore our masks. Um, it was really beautiful. And we spent a little bit of time together outdoors. It's the best way to do it. That is allowed. Uh, just be very thoughtful and safe about it. But um, some of us need it. And that's kind of like what I want everyone to remember is, psychology inherently is built on the idea that everyone is different. What's our psychology and mental health is personal. It's rooted in generational trauma, uh, cultural trauma, familial trauma, trauma around our identities, and then also personal stuff like that is so many layers. That's our mental health and everyone's requires something different. And we want to be supportive of whatever that is. So, you know, again, with, with everything that's going on around, um, with racism and with quarantine and we're encountering sickness and race. There's so many threads that we have to look at in our culture. And a lot of us, if we're woken up, wake the F up and our eyes are open and we have empathy, we're all collectively feeling and holding this grief in this morning, not as deep as those that are black and experiencing it literally firsthand, but as observers. And so we want to just be very thoughtful and hold space for all of our emotions right now. So go easy on yourselves, you know, give yourself some extra self-care, you know, eat that extra ice cream cone, masturbate a little bit longer, uh, watch another hour of your show, whatever you think you need to distract, to settle, to soothe. You know, we got to take care of ourselves. Much love to everybody, though. Seriously, sending out love to all of you. All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Okay, it's that time. Time to slide on into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs. 
here we go. Dr. Chris, I started dating a guy last year who was introduced to me via a threesome proposal from his now ex-girlfriend, which never happened. A year later, he and I ended up dating. Almost a year in now, it's become really toxic. Fulfilling fantasies basically took over, and our relationship went from something real to full-on threesomes only and it got to the point where he wanted to introduce strangers into the mix. I know it's toxic, verbally abusive, but that devil D. <laughs> oh my gosh, it just made my night. Just made my entire night with that. So now what should or can I do to move on or pull away from their toxicness? Please drop some gems for Sista. Okay, so number one, uh, I send out my heart, uh, my heart and empathy to you because I know how difficult it is when you're with someone and there's some component of it that's really keeping you in there, whether it's the sexual connection and chemistry or, excuse me, it's some other level of compatibility or interest. But I, I'm happy and thankful that you have enough care and self-esteem that you're stepping back and you're saying, is this good for me? Because sometimes people will rationalize sticking around in something and they'll deny that it's toxic or problematic or not what they want because of these levels of chemistry and compatibility or whatnot. So unfortunately, what can happen sometimes is when you meet someone and you meet someone in the context of something really kinky, you met them in the context of a possible three-way, you know, the other person gets really excited thinking, this is someone who's willing to go on this sexual journey with me. And it's understandable that you're saying, I don't want that to be the entirety of our relationship. And I don't want our sex life to always be centered around kind of pushing the boundaries and exploring. It can it can stress you out. It can wear you down. I'm not sure what elements of it are verbally abusive, but if you're calling it that, I'm going to trust it and I'm going to support you in realizing that you, you need to maybe leave. I always want to say first, though, that talk about it. Why do I say that? Because I work with some couples where they make a decision that something can't be changed or that the person isn't willing to change and they end it. Having never given the other person the opportunity to really be held accountable to what's going on and to really be asked and requested to make some changes. And I, I want you to hear from this person a no or a yes first. So approach them about it. Hey, we met in the context of a possible threesome. Since then, we've had a really creative, diversified sex life. It's not working for me. Or I feel like I need to say no or set some boundaries. And either I'm afraid I would lose you in doing so, or you've said you would leave me if I did that. Really say to them, I'm at a point where I need to take care of myself and this isn't working and I need to leave. It's feeling toxic. Are you open to making some changes? Are you open to changing the way we relate sexually? And if they say, yeah, I'm in, that's great. And if they're not open to that or they start to kind of, you know, say that you're sex phobic or you're sex negative or whatever it is, bounce. Because anyone who really wants to be in a relationship with you has to be open to being told that the way you're currently relating or the way sex is going isn't necessarily what you want. And they have to be open to making some tweaks and some changes. And so, again, you're using the word verbally abusive and that's not okay. And so... Give them a chance to possibly be willing to make some changes and see if that's that can happen. But if not, you got my permission to leave. So there's my gem for you. Uh, all right, we got time. Nope, we don't. Okay, so we're, we're going to go. I had another DM. We'll save that to tomorrow night. But as always, hit us up on our Love on IG page with your other questions. You can always call in 833-LOVE-001. You guys, thanks for hanging out with me. It's been an awesome Tuesday night. I started the show thinking it was Wednesday. It's only Tuesday. We got a few more days, but you know, we got it in us. We can do it. Get through those days. I'll be back tomorrow night, so come back and hang out with me. See you guys tomorrow night. Have an awesome night. Good night. This is Dr. Chris, and you're listening to Loveline. 
All right, we're back, and it's Tuesday night, so of course we're with Mr. Ryan Sheldon doing a little body positive. What's going on, Ryan? Not much. How are you? Not much. It's funny when I hear that. I think that's something we're all familiar with. There's only so much I mean, happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I currently can't leave my apartment because we're under curfew and we're in quarantine, so there's a lot going on. Or not <laughs> going on at the same time. <laughs> Depends. Look at it. So what's really fascinating is, you know, there's a couple themes that come up over and over and over. And every single person I'm talking to right now, whether it's a client in my practice or it's just like a human being in my life outside of that, everyone is talking about their them encountering their body and food um, either for the first time ever because they don't have access to everything that makes them feel comfortable or um, – it's just the same old story for them and it's getting reactivated and triggered. So like, what, what are you hearing people talking about um, in terms of encountering their body and like gym culture and diet culture? Yeah, I think it's, well, I mean, I have, I'm experiencing something, but first what I'm hearing from other people is it's kind of like a, a multitude of things. I think that like, there's a lot of people that are struggling currently because obviously we're still under social distancing and under quarantine and while things are starting to open back up, people, a lot of the people are still, you know, stuck inside in their homes and they're struggling with whether it's food inside the house, um, whether they can't work out. It's just this constant conversation around diet and body. It's been like the number one thing for, well, up until recently, but it's been the number one thing um, that I've been seeing on social media. It's like with people that are struggling with their bodies and trying to accept their bodies. And then there's all these other people that are out there that are like, you know, claiming that, you know, again, like the whole conversation of you need to do better while in, quarantine and come out of this better than when you came into it physically speaking of your body speaking regarding your body yeah which is so interesting because like from a mental health perspective i'm all about um physical health so i'm talking a lot about people just moving because movement of any kind is good for your mood it's also a really good way just to work with like some of the nervous anxious energy but i don't want it to be in service of anything more than just like feeling better but um yeah, it's hard. Like I'm used to being so active because like I'm on the go, like I'm always right. moving. And so it's interesting for me to be sitting so much. Yeah. Well, I think that that's like the challenging part is that because people, there's people that are used to being active are no longer being active. And then in my instance, I'm like, I, I'm like, an, I work out, like I try to stay like, you know, try to work out for my mental health more than anything else. And plus, I think it's okay if you want to work out um, to look better, whatever it may be, um, whatever your goals are. Uh, I think that I, um, I find it, exa I'm exhausted though. Come the day, day's end, I'm like so unmotivated to, to do anything. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of like sadness and depression that comes in at this time as well, because again, we're stuck under quarantine. So you're starting to, I'm at least in my experience, I'm starting to think like, does the real world even exist? Do I have friendships outside of this? And then, then comes in the whole thing where it's like, I, you know, came into this, like, obviously I'm recovering from an eating disorder. I'm in recovery and also body dysmorphic disorder. And I have to tell you that this has been extremely healing for like, for me and in, in regards to my body image. Um, also it's been, you know, exhausting for a lot of other reasons, but I feel for the first time in, gosh, I don't know how long it's been, but since I finally feel so comfortable in my body and so happy in my body. And while that's like awesome and great on the flip side, I'm wondering if it's because I don't have to leave and see anybody. Cause then when there's this thought that, Oh, we're starting to reopen things. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. Cause I don't like, there's this terrifying feeling that people aren't going to accept me in my body. Cause I've just kind of 
gone this whole method of like learning to love myself and, you know, intuitive eating, eating what I want to eat, like when I want to eat it type of a thing and trying to really harness that. But I've maybe have gained a couple pounds during this experience. So it's kind of while I feel so comfortable and confident in my own skin right now, maybe that's because I'm stuck inside. But that that's so that is such a that is such a powerful insight. And I had not really considered that, which is what you just said, like when we're not being viewed, whether literally by people or by this imaginary audience we carry in our mind as we walk around. Because generally, like when you're out in the world, no one's actually looking at you. They notice you because a human being walks by. Not like paying attention and tracking or maybe even weighing in on it, but like we think they are, but whether they are or they're not, or it's a combo of both. Yeah. How fascinating that when we're at home, we don't have to go up against what anyone's going to think because there isn't, there's no one, right? You're right. When the doors swing open, all of a sudden it goes back in your mind. Like, what are people thinking? Are, are they even judging me for what I, what they might've think I've done with this time? And it's, it's even more, it's interesting because I've been talking to a couple of my other friends and that, you know, have struggled with eating disorders or body image issues. And it's a very similar across the board from my, from what I've heard is that like, they're like, gosh, I feel so good in my skin. And then they're like, you know what? I'm like terrified to leave the house now though, because you just like, listen, like I, I always said from the very beginning, like in, in talking to my therapist, she's like, Ryan, like, don't you find this quarantine kind of soothing? And I, I hate to say that because like, obviously people, so many people have lost their jobs and it's like really traumatizing and not a good situation, but there are aspects of this that have been healing for me in my experience, particularly when it comes to my body and not having to go out. But when things start reopening, I don't know if there might be a shift because I think that we're getting closer and closer to things reopening, which we, we were or we are. And I find myself thinking, gosh, should I start working out? Should I start working out more? And that those Wait, thoughts. Go to a quick break and we'll come back and we'll finish that because I think that cool. is where a lot of people's minds are at. Uh, all right. Coming up next, we're going to talk more about encountering ourselves as we go back out and encounter the world. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Loveline is meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Loveline with Dr. Chris starts. Three, two, one. Now. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all staying well and staying safe. This is a very, very, very difficult time. Lots to talk about. Of course, we have to talk about all that's going on right now in terms of race, revolution, uh, rioting, etc., etc. We're going to break it all on down, and that's going to be in our next segment. We're going to talk about why racism is a mental health issue and also ways that we as white allies can help caretake and hold space for our friends of color and our black friends. Um, let's just open up though with some news, what's going on. Interesting times, uh, but I like when I can find some really happy, joyous news. A trans model shares a heartwarming photo of her kissing her husband's baby bump. Love this. We're now in a place where all gender expressions can give birth to a child, and this transgendered man is going to be giving birth to a baby for him and his couple. Uh, Dana Sultana is a popular Colombian Instagram model and an influencer that was born male and identifies as female. And uh, she recently shared the news that she's expecting a baby boy with her husband, Esteban. Uh, cute photos of the two of them, really beautiful couple. Anyway, I, I love seeing diverse creative expressions of love and family and relationship because it really normalizes difference. And we, you know, again, when we're whether we're talking about race or sexual orientation or gender expression or body shape or size or class, it's all about us as Americans learning how, well, everyone, but 
you know, here in the U.S., we have to learn how to encounter encounter difference and stop othering. Uh, see that others are different. We're not all the same. We are all very different, and that's okay. And there's a beauty in that, and and there's an allowability in that, and we need to celebrate that. And so, I love stories like this. It's a very non-traditional family style. Right now, it will grow in normality. I'm here for that. Um, and so, we need to get familiar with these things. Talk about these things. So, share stories like this with your children. Yes, men can have babies. Men can have a uterus. Uh, talking to people about their preferred pronouns. This is just part of being a healthy, compassionate human in the world we live in. So I'm all about it. Uh, this is a fascinating story. <laughs> a man hired for sexual fantasy break into house gone wrong. So essentially this man hired two individuals with fake machetes to break into his home. And uh, he wanted to be tied up in his underwear and stroked with a broom. Yes, very specific. Not not everyone's standard fantasy, but props to this guy. So he hired two people to act it out. Love it. We all should have our sexual bucket list. All the things on it we've never done and we want to try. If you're single, as soon as we can get out of this COVID stuff, start working on it. What a gift you give yourself. Also, if you're in a relationship, sit down with your partner. If you're in a safe, sex-positive relationship, you can share with them as an act of intimacy and also to really get to know each other different fantasies you have sexually and uh, find ways to kind of come together and start acting them out. So anyway, this guy was doing his thing, God bless, but he, this part's strange to me, but God bless it. He changed addresses, but never, never updated the two men. Isn't that like having someone come on, coming over to hook up or have sex with you like 101, that if you change address, you tell them? Because where else the hell are they going? So anyway, they rolled in, someone else is there, uh, and understandably really upset and freaked out the guy that, that was there sleeping. <laughs> My God. Anyway, went to court. The judge is like, this is a strange thing. He's throwing it out, though. I mean, uh, odd times we live in. But, um, you know, it's kind of where we are right now. So um, also, uh, I, I don't watch Drag Race. Uh, but Patricia Quinn, she's from Brockyard Picture Show. She was performed by one of the drag performers during a segment they call the Snatch Game. And apparently he was very offensive. So she basically put out a comment saying not only was that offensive, not only is she not on drugs, which I think was like the basis of the whole character this person was playing when pretending to be her. But she said, um, there's so many other things that are going on with this show that she calls tasteless. They also made fun of Katherine Hepburn's neurological disorder. Um, I agree with that stuff. You know, there's so many ways to play someone, but to mock their disability just isn't the way to necessarily do it. Not an act of love. So she says that she hopes she's not associated with the show ever again. I get it. You know, um, humor shouldn't be done in terms of trying to make people feel bad or harm them or mock them. And so if you're focusing on someone's neurological disorder or a possible drug addiction, not so funny. And that's why I, I have some of the top uh, cele celebrity comedians as friends. And I've talked to them about this. And I said to them, like, is your definition of comedy, does it include making fun of people mocking them? And they all said no, that that's a sign of someone not actually being funny or a good comedian if they have to put down others in order to get a laugh. And that good comedians can talk about the world and culture and themselves and really generate laughs without having to make someone walk away feeling bad. I love that. Um, so hey, we got to get better about understanding that. Um, and also just finally, again, a reminder, cause I'm still seeing these posts about, um, emotional eating that it's okay to use food as a coping mechanism. 
I, I can't go a few scrolls without seeing at least one person referencing their body or what they're eating. Y'all go easy on yourselves. Go easy on the posting because everyone else is trying to go easy on themselves. And these kind of posts put us all into a spiral. So anyway, keep an eye on that one. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about racism. A uh, Minneapolis City Council member calls for racism to be declared a public health emergency. We've talked about something like this before. I'm fully on board. It's definitely a mental health and a public health issue. So anyway, coming up next, we'll be talking more about that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and radio.com. Hey, it's Dr. Chris, and this is Love Line. All right, we're back, and now it's time to have a very important, triggering, upsetting for some conversation about race. Um, we're going to be talking more about it. You know, as always, this show is really rooted in liberation and destigmatizing, talking about anything mental health or public health or wellness related, but also really looking at levels of oppression. Because if you are of any minority identity, your mental health is tied to these larger social oppressions that you were born into and deal with every day, whether directly or indirectly, whether overtly or covertly. We can't separate the two out. And so someone's blackness matters. When you're wanting to not talk about it, that's where racism comes in. Just like if someone's gay, they're gayness is going to matter. What's it like to move through the world being of color or black in a world that's white centric? What's it like moving through the world being gay in a heterocentric world where everything, songs, movies, commercials, everything's catered to them. Same thing with someone who's trans or larger bodied. All these different factors are part of mental health and to separate them out as if they don't matter is part of the problem. Um, so I love this. A city council official in Minneapolis is calling for racism to be declared a public health emergency. I agree with that. It's absolutely a public health crisis. It's absolutely part of mental health care. And it's important that we look into and call out these things. And so um, start bringing that up in your therapy. And this is where we also talk about the fact that some individuals need to see a therapist that very much mirrors of some of their identities. You know, larger body clients sometimes want to see a fat therapist, although smaller body therapists can be all about non-diet diet, you know, non-diet nutrition talk or non-disordered eating um, talk around bodies and consumption. Uh, there are some white therapists that are able to talk about race, some straight therapists that can hold space for gayness, et cetera, et cetera. But there's some people that don't want to have to worry about explaining the nuances. They don't want to have to deal with an ally they want someone from their community and so i understand that and that's got to be kind of part of this conversation this dialogue um everything that we're seeing happening around us right now is that reminder of how deep the trauma is being black in our current culture how deep the rage is understandably and how much work there is to still do um and so I always say to those of us that are white, it's on our shoulders to really work to dismantle racism. Racism is built and sustained by white people and whiteness. And so it's on us to do everything we can to dismantle it. And so start at home, right? Start having those conversations at home. That's where a lot of these things begin. And the home is a, is a place where you can start to expose yourself and your family and loved ones to the diversity that is this planet and showing as a white family black characters and talking about that and characters of all different races and gender expressions and sexual orientations and letting your kids build familiarity and acceptance of it. You can even celebrate it by saying it's a, these are, there's so many beautiful ways to live in the world and there's nothing wrong with being different, right? But our culture is so rooted in assimilation and conformity but that is a cultural genocide. That is colonization. That is a, a mental or psychological abuse when, when the whole world is constructed 
in opposition to who you are. The whole world is constructed in a way that challenges who you are or oppresses who you are. How can one move through that world feeling safe or even of robust and resilient mental health? It's, it's an impossibility. And so we have to start first with educating ourselves, do the work, read the books. There's so many stunning books written on how to be um, not just racist, but also anti-racism, right? Because that's the work, how to work with it on a personal level, a mezzo level, and a macro level. Um, and then starting to do the work out in the world, looking at the organizations you're a part of, looking at your social circle, looking at the way your family and friends talk about and hold things like race, um, also getting involved in politics, using whatever privilege or position you have, donating money to organizations like Black Lives Matter, which are doing really important, powerful work. There's there's so many different outlets, um, and it's it's something that we all need to have a hand in on some level. So get get involved on on some on some level I, I say this and we said this in the earlier segment uh earlier show that everyone should actively be choosing at least one level of oppression that they're working on dismantling whether it's racism homophobia transphobia body shame classism um disability rights they're so and you could be working on all of them also but we all need to be digging in on some level because we're all part of the problem and a lot of people might not understand what's happening right now but it, that's okay a lot of us thankfully can't understand what centuries and decades and hour after hour of living in a racist culture what kind of anger and helplessness and hopelessness that that creates and this this expression of anger is so healthy and so powerful um anger is often what propels us to try to create and force change uh, and so we need to just sit back and kind of hold space, sit back and allow people of color and black people to really take the microphone and to share their experiences and for us to kind of hold that space and sit silently and help where we can. So um, anyway, please, though, everyone stay safe, focus on rest. Rest is so healing and nourishing. Take downtime, uh, hold space for a lot of grieving and mourning white people. Uh, hold space for your black friends, check in on them, let them know you're there and that you love them, but listen to what they need, follow whatever boundaries they set, and also give them a break. This is a really tough time. They're going to be maybe distracted, more depressed. Um, people that are impacted by this might be showing up late for things. Hold space for that. Um, I, I myself as a white individual don't know what it's like to live in that kind of a world. And so um, collective mourning and grief, but we're here. All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And, uh, you know, I know these are tough times and everyone's wanting some uplifting, distracting material, trying to bring it in. Also trying to really be honest and honor where I'm at because, you know, my feelings and emotions matter too. And so around the show, I'm trying to bring information forward that feels good to me, that feels meaningful. Also trying to bring in some humor. Um, these are those stories that when I see them, I flag them because I want to bring them to you guys. A man with a flip-flop fetish is arrested after stealing 126 pairs to make love to. I mean, 126 pairs? How are you going to have sex with that many different flip-flops? Look, I'm all about the fetish. Have sex with whatever you want to have sex with, as long as if it's a person they're consenting and they're informed on what the sex is. But something like a shoe... Do your thing, man. Shoes don't have feelings. They don't have a nervous system. They have no consciousness. Have your way. 126, though? Damn, okay. But uh, the problem is only that they were stolen. <laughs> don't steal people's shoes. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine the, the fee to purchase 126 different pairs. But, like, don't steal people's shoes. I mean, that'd be so frustrating to me. But otherwise, ah, do your thing. Uh, but he had basically gone around the neighborhood and taken these. And he has sex with each of them after several hours of wearing them. Um, 
you know, this is happening uh, over in Thailand. Interesting stuff, you know, sexuality. It's, it's one of the most powerful drives we have. We will give up on sleep and safety and eating, all sorts of things in order to have it. That's how powerful it is. And whether or not it's healthy is the impact. Does it cause suffering to us or someone else? And if it's consenting adults, then you get to do whatever you want, where you want, how you want. Just want to be aware of how it's impacting you and others. That's all. Ethical sex, right? We always do the three-point check-in. How do you feel before, during, and after? And if at each point of those, you're like, yeah, I'm into this. This feels good to me. Do your thing. And that's the reason why we should have sex is because we want fun, because we want to uh, connect to ourselves or to someone else. It doesn't promise marriage. It doesn't promise relationship. It doesn't promise love. Don't have it seeking those things. It can only offer what it can give you in the moment, a moment with another person or people having some pleasure, some fun, and some connection. And uh, what happens after that, we'll never know. But we just want to make sure that everyone's walking away feeling better or neutral because we just had this awesome experience together. And maybe it goes no further, but that doesn't mean what we did wasn't awesome or fun. Kind of like a date. Hey, I'm here for an hour. Let's make the best of it. I might not ever see you again, but let's be all in. We can have a great time. That doesn't promise anything. Um, so anyway, do your thing, flip up guy. I'm, 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 all, I'm all about that stuff. Um, also, look at an article. It's talking about how working home for forever could really negatively impact us. So basically it's looking at the psychological toll of some offices closing forever. Look, for some people, the office is a source of stress. And what's really interesting is when you look at scheduling, most people will spend more time at the office with colleagues than they do with their loved ones or family members at home. Okay, we gotta definitely change that because y'all love words like balance, all about balance, work, work-life work balance. Really? Well then, however many hours we're at work, we should be able to be at home and with loved ones. Okay, well your employer's not gonna be down with that. So clearly we're not about work-life balance, but the workplace for many is a form of getting out. It's a form of socialization. For us right now, we're seeing how much we are dependent upon that as a benchmark in our day, as, as something to make us feel constructive. But again, that's where some people do most of their socializing. Otherwise, they're having dinner, maybe going to the gym, maybe reading something, maybe seeing some friends. But you know, as a therapist, my office was never highly social. I saw all of my patients back to back, and that felt like a form of engagement because that is true, honest relationality and intimacy. But going into the radio station, let's call that more of my proper quote unquote office. Yeah, I would see and encounter so many people and you catch up and you smile and you wave and you have such a spectrum of relationships. There's people that you just nod and smile at. Other people where you stop for a quick five minute chat. Others where you want to sit and have lunch with them. Uh, but it, it actually does give us some of those nourishing components of socialization to make eye contact, some touch, some time together. And so there's a, there's a loss. I, I definitely feel it. Like I, and that's why I'm focusing on, I've shared this before, but connecting with at least three people every single day. I don't care what the method is. Texting, phone calling. I mean, the ideal is FaceTiming. So you're really sitting with each other, seeing each other, some eye contact. But just reaching out at least three times a day. I also have two friends that I met up with out in the world. I realized I needed to see human beings. I had to look at what my mental health was and what me as an individual needed. We met up, we kept social distance. We were not in an enclosed space. We weren't around crowds, wore our masks. Um, it was really beautiful. And we spent a little bit of time together outdoors. It's the best way to do it. That is allowed. Uh, just be very thoughtful and safe about it. But um, some of us need it. And that's kind of like what I want everyone to remember is, psychology inherently is built on the idea that everyone is different. What's our psychology and mental health is personal. It's rooted in generational trauma, uh, cultural trauma, familial trauma, trauma around our identities, and then also personal stuff. Like that is so many layers. That's our mental health and everyone's requires something different. And we want to be supportive of whatever that is. So, you know, again, with, with everything that's going on around, um, 
with racism and with quarantine and we're encountering sickness and race. There's so many threads that we have to look at in our culture. And a lot of us, if we're woken up, wake the F up and our eyes are open and we have empathy, we're all collectively feeling and holding this grief in this morning. Not as deep as those that are black and experiencing it literally firsthand, but as observers. And so we want to just be very thoughtful and hold space for all of our emotions right now. So go easy on yourselves, you know, give yourself some extra self-care, you know, eat that extra ice cream cone, masturbate a little bit longer, uh, watch another hour of your show, whatever you think you need to distract, to settle, to soothe, you know, we got to take care of ourselves. Much love to everybody though. Seriously, sending out love to all of you. All right. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Okay. It's that time. Time to slide on into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Here we go. Dr. Chris, I started dating a guy last year who was introduced to me via a threesome proposal from his now ex-girlfriend, which never happened. A year later, he and I ended up dating. Almost a year in now, it's become really toxic. Fulfilling fantasies basically took over. And our relationship went from something real to full-on threesomes only. And it got to the point where he wanted to introduce strangers into the mix. I know it's toxic, verbally abusive, but that devil D. Oh my gosh, it just made my night. Just made my entire night with that. So now what should or can I do to move on or pull away from their toxicness? Please drop some gems for Sista. Okay, so number one, uh, I send out my heart, uh, my heart and empathy to you because I know how difficult it is when you're with someone and there's some component of it that's really keeping you in there, whether it's the sexual connection and chemistry or, excuse me, it's some other level of compatibility or interest. But I, I'm happy and thankful that you have enough care and self-esteem that you're stepping back and you're saying, is this good for me? Because sometimes people will rationalize sticking around in something and they'll deny that it's toxic or problematic or not what they want because of these levels of chemistry and compatibility or whatnot. So unfortunately, what can happen sometimes is when you meet someone and you meet someone in the context of something really kinky, you met them in the context of a possible three-way, you know, the other person gets really excited thinking, this is someone who's willing to go on this sexual journey with me. And it's understandable that you're saying, I don't want that to be the entirety of our relationship. And I don't want our sex life to always be centered around kind of pushing the boundaries and exploring. It can, it can stress you out. It can wear you down. I'm not sure what elements of it are verbally abusive, but if you're calling it that, I'm going to trust it and I'm going to support you in realizing that you, you need to maybe leave. I always want to say first though, that talk about it. Why do I say that? Because I work with some couples where they make a decision that something can't be changed or that the person isn't willing to change and they end it. Having never given the other person the opportunity to really be held accountable to what's going on and to really be asked and requested to make some changes. And I, I want you to hear from this person a no or a yes first. So approach them about it. Hey, we met in the context of a possible threesome. Since then, we've had a really creative, diversified sex life. It's not working for me. Or I feel like I need to say no or set some boundaries. And either I'm afraid I would lose you in doing so, or you've said you would leave me if I did that. Really say to them, I'm at a point where I need to take care of myself and this isn't working and I need to leave. It's feeling toxic. Are you open to making some changes? Are you open to changing the way we relate sexually? And if they say, yeah, I'm in, that's great. And if they're not open to that or they start to kind of, you know, say that you're sex phobic or you're sex negative or whatever it is, bounce. 
Because anyone who really wants to be in a relationship with you has to be open to being told that the way you're currently relating or the way sex is going isn't necessarily what you want. And they have to be open to making some tweaks and some changes. And so again, you're using the word verbally abusive and that's not okay. And so give them a chance to possibly be willing to make some changes and see if that's, that can happen. But if not, you got my permission to leave. So there's my gem for you. Uh, all right. We got time. Nope, we don't. Okay. So we're going to go. I had another DM. We'll save that to tomorrow night, but as always hit us up on our love on IG page with your other questions. You can always call in 833-LOVE-001. You guys, thanks for hanging out with me. It's been an awesome Tuesday night. I started the show thinking it was Wednesday. It's only Tuesday. We got a few more days, but you know, we got it in us. We can do it. Get through those days. I'll be back tomorrow night. So come back and hang out with me. See you guys tomorrow night. Have an awesome night. Good night. This is Dr. Chris, and you're listening to Loveline. All right, we're back, and it's Tuesday night, so of course we're with Mr. Ryan Sheldon, doing a little body positive. What's going on, Ryan? Not much. How are you? Not much. It's funny when I hear that. I think that's something we're all familiar with. There's only so much I mean, happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I currently can't leave my apartment because we're under curfew and we're in quarantine, so there's a lot going on, or not <laughs> going on at the same time. <laughs> Depends. Look at it. So what's really fascinating is, you know, there's a couple themes that come up over and over and over. And every single person I'm talking to right now, whether it's a client in my practice or it's just like a human being in my life outside of that, everyone is talking about their them encountering their body and food um, either for the first time ever because they don't have access to everything that makes them feel comfortable or um, – it's just the same old story for them and it's getting reactivated and triggered. So like, what, what are you hearing people talking about um, in terms of encountering their body and like gym culture and diet culture? Yeah, I think it's, well, I mean, I have, I'm experiencing something, but first what I'm hearing from other people is it's kind of like a, a multitude of things. I think that like, there's a lot of people that are struggling currently because obviously we're still under social distancing and under quarantine and while things are starting to open back up, people, a lot of the people are still, you know, stuck inside in their homes and they're struggling with whether it's food inside the house, um, whether they can't work out. It's just this constant conversation around diet and body. It's been like the number one thing for, well, up until recently, but it's been the number one thing um, that I've been seeing on social media. It's like with people that are struggling with their bodies and trying to accept their bodies. And then there's all these other people that are out there that are like, you know, claiming that, you know, again, like the whole conversation of you need to do better while in, quarantine and come out of this better than when you came into it physically speaking of your body speaking regarding your body yeah which is so interesting because like from a mental health perspective i'm all about um physical health so i'm talking a lot about people just moving because movement of any kind is good for your mood it's also a really good way just to work with like some of the nervous anxious energy but i don't want it to be in service of anything more than just like feeling better but um yeah, it's hard. Like I'm used to being so active because like I'm on the go, like I'm always right. moving. And so it's interesting for me to be sitting so much. Yeah. Well, I think that that's like the challenging part is that because people, there's people that are used to being active are no longer being active. And then in my instance, I'm like, I, I'm like an, I work out, like I try to stay like, you know, try to work out for my mental health more than anything else. And plus, I think it's okay if you want to work out um, to look better, whatever it may be, um, whatever your goals are. Uh, I think that I, um, I find it, exa I'm exhausted though. Come the day, day's end, I'm like so unmotivated to, to do anything. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of like 
sadness and depression that comes in at this time as well, because again, we're stuck under quarantine. So you're starting to think, I'm at least in my experience, I'm starting to think like, does the real world even exist? Do I have friendships outside of this? And then, then comes in the whole thing where it's like, I, you know, came into this, like, obviously I'm recovering from an eating disorder, I'm in recovery and also body dysmorphic disorder. And I have to tell you that this has been extremely healing for like, for me and in, in regards to my body image. Um, also it's been, you know, exhausting for a lot of other reasons, but I feel for the first time in, gosh, I don't know how long it's been, but since I finally feel so comfortable in my body and so happy in my body. And while that's like awesome and great on the flip side, I'm wondering if it's because I don't have to leave and see anybody. Cause then when there's this thought that, Oh, we're starting to reopen things. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. Cause I don't like, there's this terrifying feeling that people aren't going to accept me in my body. Cause I've just kind of gone this whole method of like learning to love myself and, you know, intuitive eating, eating what I want to eat, like when I want to eat it type of a thing and trying to really harness that. But I've maybe have gained a couple pounds during this experience. So it's kind of while I feel so comfortable and confident in my own skin right now, maybe that's because I'm stuck inside. But that, that's so, that is such a, that is such a powerful insight. And I had not really considered that, which is what you just said. Like when we're not being viewed, whether literally by people or by this imaginary audience we carry in our mind as we walk around. Because generally, like when you're out in the world, no one's actually looking at you. They notice you because a human being walks by. Not like paying attention and tracking or maybe even weighing in on it, but like we think they are. But whether they are or they're not, or it's a combo of both, yeah, how fascinating that when we're at home, we don't have to go up against what anyone's going to think because there isn't, there's no one, right? You're right. When the doors swing open, all of a sudden, it goes back in your mind, like, what are people thinking? Are, are they even judging me for what I, what they might have think I've done with this time? And it's it's even more, it's interesting because I've been talking to a couple of my other friends and that, you know, have struggled with eating disorders or body image issues. And it's a very similar across the board from my from what I've heard is that like, they're like, gosh, I feel so good in my skin. And then they're like, you know, what? I'm like terrified to leave the house now, though, because you just like, listen, like I, I always said from the very beginning, like, in, in talking to my therapist, she's like, Ryan, like, don't you find this quarantine kind of soothing? And I, I hate to say that because like, obviously, people, so many people have lost their jobs. And it's like really tra traumatizing and not a good situation. But there are aspects of this that have been healing for me in my experience, particularly when it comes to my body and not having to go out. But when things start reopening, I don't know if there might be a shift because I think that we're getting closer and closer to things reopening, which we, we were or we are. And I find myself thinking, gosh, should I start working out? Should I start working out more? And that those Wait, thoughts. Go to a quick break and we'll come back and we'll finish that because I think that cool. is where a lot of people's minds are at. Uh, all right. Coming up next, we're going to talk more about encountering ourselves as we go back out and encounter the world. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com.